Time now is 9 o'clock. Support for legislative programming on Utah Public Radio was made possible in part by our listeners and the USU Provost's Office, Center for Women and Gender, promoting discussion and research on gender issues and the intersection of social justice and culture. Information at cwg.usu.edu. Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams, coming to you live from the Utah State Capitol in Salt Lake City. It's the opening day of the 2017 Utah Legislature, and we have for you a special two-hour program. In hour two, the 10 o'clock hour, we'll be featuring conversations with Bill Tibbetts, Associate Director of the Crossroads Urban Center and Director of the Center's Coalition of Religious Communities. We'll also be talking with Sean Teagan, Research Director of the Utah Foundation, and Boyd Matheson, President of the Sutherland Institute. Later in this hour, Senate President Wayne Niederhauser and uh, Senate Minority Leader uh, Gene Davis, House Minority Leader Brian King. We begin our conversation with Representative Val Potter, Republican from uh, North Logan. Welcome to the program. Good to be here, Tom. And congratulations on your election. You served in uh, local offices, right, uh, county council, yes, city council, Yes, I, I just ended my, my uh, uh, I, I served two terms on the county council, and I resigned uh, as of Saturday, and I'll start here at the legislature today. So six years there, uh, I spent four years as mayor of North Logan City and four years as a city council member in North Logan. It occurred to me to uh, want to ask you the following question. Um, federalism writ small, you might call this. So you've, you've had uh, experience now on the local level. Mm-hmm. Now a new legislator. Um, states are always fighting with the federal government for control. Sometimes legislature fights with local governments. For control, you have a new, uh, kind of an interesting perspective. I think I do. Uh, there's not many legislators up here on the hill that have served at the local uh, level, and uh, in fact, it's about 16% of the 104 legislators have have been elected e- at either a county or a city level. And I think I bring perspective from the local level. And I think a lot of times legislators overlook the needs of the local government. I know that there's uh, certainly uh, some unfunded mandates that the state has put on the county, and and we've suffered from that. And so I'm trying to uh, get up here and make some some decisions that will benefit the people at the local level, but also not put undue burden on the the local uh, cities and counties. Mm. So we're talking regulations, taxes, what, what are you talking about with burden? Well, um, l- let me use one example. The um, uh, justice reinvestment, uh, while that's a positive for the state with regard to uh, in- incarceration, in- incarceration at the point of the mountain, uh, what it does by changing uh, felonies to misdemeanors is it puts more burden on the counties uh, to try and incarcerate some of these people. And those that don't qualify for incarceration end up back on the street and the, what's been happening is they're not truly uh, um, over their criminal past, and they get out and they they uh, uh, burglarize and they cause more problems because of drug addictions or other problems. And so at the local level, we're seeing some of those problems. So it's a benefit to the state, the justice reinvestment, and they save money there. But the money that the counties are now putting into law enforcement and the justice side of things uh, has been a burden on, on us in particular in Cache County. Mm-hmm. We have our email up, and I'm putting out an appeal to you to send your question in for our legislators. This is your chance to interact with influential people here at the Capitol on the first day of the legislature. 
upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. We have a few emails already in. You can join us on Twitter as well, and uh, just go to at upraxcess. So upraxcess at gmail.com and at upraxcess. And we'll get to our questions after I ask you, Representative Potter, open-ended question, what what are, say, the top three issues top of your mind going into this session? Uh, of course, public education is, is probably the biggest. We, we hear a lot about that. Um, there's um, thousands, tens of thousands of new students coming into the, into the system, and we've got to make sure that we, we have additional money to fund the new students that are coming in, and then the uh, continual need for, for more money for education. That's, that's a big one. Uh, I'm not right now, first day of the session, going to tell you that I have the answers. I'm, I'm looking at all of the options and opportunities that are out there, and, and hopefully we can, we can come to some middle ground that will, will uh, benefit public education. Uh, I know that their demands are, are huge. Um, I don't think we'll be able to meet all the demands, but I certainly want to do more for public education. Um, I'm on the transportation um, subcommittee, and I look forward to doing some things in, in uh, transportation and uh, putting more money into infrastructure that's going to benefit the, uh, um, the needs of Utah. Right now, I'd say the roads are a big problem uh, in the state of Utah, keeping up with them. And uh, I, I saw that when I was working in Cache County. We never had enough money for roads. And I think the state's in a, a similar situation. And if we don't get on the infrastructure, we're going to pay for it in the long run. Um, and it does affect the economy of the state. People won't live here or stay here if uh, the infrastructure isn't what it, it should be. And, and that goes for public education as well. You need to educate your kids. And, and, and I'm also on the Higher Education Appropriations Subcommittee, and I work for Utah State University, and so I'm obviously uh, concerned about higher education and making sure that it gets um, all it can uh, to benefit the, uh, the education of our, our uh, college-age students, mm. and, and that includes the ATCs who are, who are doing the technical education for the, for the students of that age. Mm. I want to follow up on education, and I'm, I'm sure we'll be talking about education throughout this broadcast. Uh, it's the biggest piece of the uh, of the budget and top of mind to people. Some people reading the newspaper, for example, Representative Carol Spackman-Moss, who's an educator herself, um, she, if you at least read between the lines, you don't have to read too much between the lines, she seems kind of impatient. She says, we talk about this every year, and we acknowledge that uh, we're lowest per pupil spending, and we don't do enough about it. Um, and we have a, a citizens' initiative uh, push now. Um, our schools now seven hundred fifty million dollars. What they want through raising income taxes. I guess starting there. What do you think about that initiative? Uh, that that's an interesting uh, proposal. I, I've been looking at that and listening to them talk. Um, I, I'm I don't I'm not sure that that's the right thing to do at this time. I'm, I'm uh, um, realizing that a lot of my constituents are concerned about taxes and, and increasing taxes. It, it's kind of a double-edged sword because uh, you look at the, at the polls and the majority of people in Utah want more money for education. And then that same number or more uh, don't want their taxes raised. So it's, it's, a, it, it's a quandary we're in, uh, trying to come up with the funding without increasing taxes. Uh, we've got a fairly flat budget. Um, we'll know in the next couple of weeks exactly where we're at. Um, we've got to find a way to do more for education. Uh, I don't know uh, how to do that. I, I'm, I'm not advocating tax increases, but I'll do all I can to get the funding for education. Hmm. Let's go to our first uh, email. This is from Rebecca in Logan. 
Uh, she says, a question for our politicians. Um, she says, uh, do you accept that the vast majority of climate scientists have concluded the Earth's climate is changing and is driven primarily by human activity? I, 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 would, I would tend to agree that, that uh, w humans have created uh, a lot of the problems with the uh, environment, pollution, and so on. And follow-up, she says, if yes, what policies do you support to address these enormous uh, risks? I plan to join um, the UCARE, the uh, air quality group. Uh, Cache, Cache County obviously is one of the worst in the nation at times with the inversion. And I, I intend to do all I can to work with, with uh, the state to make some, make some differences there. I was on the county council when we passed the uh, emission testing. Um, and that was a long two, two painful years of, of back and forth of do it, don't do it. Um, the demands from the uh, the EPA and the state were that we do it, and in the end we did it. And um, it, it I, I'm not saying it's made a huge difference in Cache County. There's there's more things that we need to do, but I look forward to using my position in the state to to trying to come up with some things that'll better the the air. Mm. And there seems to be uh, some impatience on this issue, air quality as well. But maybe it's this way every two years. You know, it, it, uh, we, there was a big rally. In, uh, in Salt Lake recently, uh, demanding accelerated change, in, especially with policy mm -hmm. to, with regard to, uh, to air quality. Seems like often what you get the legislature is kind of incremental. What, what would you say to that? Um, you know, I, I appreciate um, what a lot of the protests do because it does bring attention to some of the issues. And, and so the politicians and um, state and federal people see the concern of the people, and, and it, it truly does affect uh, the way we act. So from that perspective, it's good. And uh, the, the challenge that not everyone sees is that um, you've got a large number of people that are pushing for air quality, water quality, changes in the environment. And then you've got a lot of other people that are running big businesses and, and have good jobs that that uh, require them to drive or run a factory. And they're pushing against that. And so the, the position in government is is to try to Look at both sides and do something that's going to benefit both. Don't destroy business, but also protect the environment. And, and that's a real challenge. And a lot of people don't see that. They just say, do it. Make a change today. Let's make the environment better. Um, ultimately, a lot of people would say, you know, shut down the, uh, we'll do what, what a lot of countries will do. Um, license plates with even odd numbers. Odd numbers drive on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, even numbers drive on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. I don't think we need to go to that extreme, but we need to come up with a plan that's going to work for everybody. By the way, we're, uh, I, I can't remember how many years we're into emissions testing. Has it been a year? Two years? Oh, oh no, emissions testing has been three years. Three, wow, three, three years. Um, and, and so, of course, you were on the county council during that whole mm -hmm. thing. This is a, fairly controversial but then then it came mm -hmm. what's your perspective and has it has it made an effect well uh, it, it slightly um the, the facts are coming from the health department who run that program in that three years time we've had had about 180 vehicles rejected so out of approximately 18,000 vehicles we've had 180 uh that's not too many and, and the reason for that is that the vehicles coming out of the automobile manufacturers are better. They're cleaner. They're they're um, they're better at not producing the pollution. 
Uh, so that's that hasn't been as big a problem. Now we're getting some of the bad older vehicles off the road, and that's a good thing. But it isn't making enough of a of an impact on the air quality in Cache County. What do you think the next step is? What do you what do you think the? And I'm sure oh. you you're hearing anecdotal. You know, I'm hearing from friends that uh, they yeah. just sick. You know, some some days sure. just they don't sure. feel well because of the air. I don't, I don't have an answer for that. Um, it gets into, you know, monitoring factories. Uh, in Cache County, one of the biggest problems we have is methane coming from animals. Not much you can do there. Um, th there's a number of things we, get, we need to look at, and I'm certainly no expert on that. We've, we've just been joined by uh, Senator Adams. Uh, thanks, thanks for joining us. We, we have with us a Representative Val Potter as well. So to uh, finish your thought there. Uh, anyway, like I said, I, I don't have all the answers on the environment, uh, on air quality and what the long-term long uh, plan is there, but I, I'm certainly willing to look at some of the issues um, and um, take them seriously, like we did in Cache County. Uh, I think we did, we did the right thing at the right time. I think over time, with the improvement of the vehicles, uh, the emission testing, my, my opinion will probably go away because it's just not, you know, there's, there's just not that much uh, being saved by, by doing the testing. Mm -hmm. uh, to reset the scene, it's Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams coming to you from the uh, Utah State Capitol in uh, Salt Lake City. It's the first day of the 2017 Utah Legislature. We have a special two-hour broadcast later in the program, 10 o'clock hour. Uh, we'll have uh, some conversations with some advocacy groups, including uh, Crossroads Urban Center. We're talking with Utah Foundation and with Sutherland Institute. Right now we're talking with legislators, and we're offering you the opportunity to uh, to ask questions via email of our legislators. And uh, so let me take advantage here. We have uh, John, who has uh, emailed us from Ogden, and he has three questions, each with subparts. So I'll just take question number three here with, okay. with both of you gentlemen, uh, maybe get a response from each of you. And then I know uh, uh, Representative Potter has to get going here. Um, so by the way, uh, thank you for coming in, Senator Adams. Absolutely. It's a great to be with you today. You know, it's an unbelievable experience to be here as a legislator in, in Utah. Uh, as everybody's aware we have one of the shortest legislative sessions in the country, 45 days. But uh, I've actually looked closer at that, and it's actually 33 working days. So we're we're on day one of 33, and so we're going to do a lot in the next 30, 33 days. So sprint to the finish in, yes. in March, right? Yeah, so, it's, a, yeah. it's a sprint the whole way. Yeah. It's a, it's a, you know, go. Uh, so uh, let me pose this uh, first to Representative Potter and, and then to Senator Adams. Here is John's third question. I'll, I'll skip to this one uh, for this purpose. So John says, asks, how will the legislature improve citizen engagement in government? Will they counter, colon, and then he lists three things. Will they counter the effects of the currently gerrymandered voting districts, which have resulted in one-party state and low voter turnout? Uh, so, Representative Potter, what, what's your response? You know, I, I've been in uh, elected office at the local level for 14 years, and I, I think the system works. Uh, we as legislators from Cache County meet every Saturday during the session from 7.30 to 9 o'clock in the morning at the county building, and we take questions from the public. And we usually have uh, 75 to 120 people there every week asking questions of us and, and finding out what we're doing, and, and that works. Um, as I've served in uh, city and county elected office, I find that there's not a lot of, of interest in, in following politics. If, if the issue directly affects you, uh, the people will show up at the meeting or they'll, they'll text, they'll email, they'll call. 
but I think they know that we're close enough to them that they can contact us and resolve their issues and find out what's going on, if they care. Mm. Uh, and, and I think it's the same here in the legislature. We're close enough to the people. We're neighbors. We're friends with a lot of these people. They know they can approach us. So I think that the system does work. Uh, the gerrymandering he's talking about, I don't, I don't know a lot about that, but I'll tell you that I don't believe it's as serious as a lot of people think. Mm. There are a lot of Republicans in the state of Utah. And I think by and large, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat in the state of Utah, you do, we do a pretty good job of representing Utah with e either party. And, and that's truly how I feel. I've worked with Democrats. I, I am a Republican. And I think we listen to the people first and foremost. Mm. Just alert you, Representative Potter, it is uh, 15 past, so I, I, I think you had to get going. I do. Thank you. Uh, so thank you so much, Representative Val Potter, uh, who represents the uh, district in, uh, and lives good, in uh, good North good Logan. Yeah. Uh, thank you uh, so much. We uh, have with us uh, Senator Stuart Adams. Yes, if you'd uh, come over to the other microphone, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, we're going to take a break here in a, a little bit, but I, I want to pose this question to you that, that John has posed from, from Ogden. Um, uh, by the way, you're uh, living in Layton? I do. Right, so, to represent a district, and so I don't not, know, John might be in your district, I'm not sure. Not too far, far away, I'm sure, yeah. from John, but I, I really appreciate that question today because here we start the legislative session. And the question, I think, was talking about citizen involvement. And Utah's been given awards for, for actually uh, our transparency. Uh, if you're, I mean, everybody can get on the website right now. You can listen to every committee hearing. You can watch every floor uh, event. Uh, if you miss it, you can watch it tonight. And uh, it's, it's basically uh, totally transparent. Everything we do is, is recorded. And uh, if you have a, if you have, a, if you have the internet or a computer, you can just be right here, part of that process. And with the emails and w with the way that uh, w you know we have uh, the ability to contact us and, and to, to actually communicate with us, I, never before has there been an opportunity for more citizen involvement and transparency. In fact, voter turnout, in, at least in, in Davis County, because it was vote by mail last time set unbelievable records. I think it was up in the 80 plus percent. So we're seeing a lot of involvement from citizens. We're able to interact uh, very, very transparently with, with the, the media and uh, the, the opportunities are there with, uh, with, with uh, the internet and other things. So I actually think there's a ton of citizen involvement and we're, we're a ways from redistricting, but I'm sure a lot of, the, a lot of effort will, be, will happen then. And we, we received awards last time. We were very, very, uh, went through a tedious project process and had a lot of citizen involvement with that too. So I'm pretty optimistic about the process we have and the ability we have for citizens to be involved. Mm. Great question. Would, would, you, would you be in favor, just follow up, would you be in favor of, uh, of a nonpartisan redistricting commission? I think Idaho has such one. And the, the people who propose that say that at least the optics are Look a little bad if, if one party's in power, and then and then the, however the districts come out, it, it can look bad. You, you know, we've looked at that, and uh, you know, in any time you, sometimes things appear to be the way that they're they're not. You you've got to appoint people to a nonpartisan commission, and that uh, that even the appointments become problematic, and uh, we haven't found a great way to do that. I'd rather be transparent and open, and actually have the elected officials those that have been duly elected by, by the people that put them in office uh, do their duty. And I think if we look at what their duty is, the redistricting part is part of that. One premise of John's question is, um, I think he'd like to see more Democrats. And he, he's, he's blaming that on what he calls gerrymandering. What would you say 
as there are a lot of Republicans in the legislature in Utah, does that represent the people, or, or is there something artificial there? You know, my, my best friends, or some of my best friends are Democrats, uh, served on a city council for nine years. I have no idea whether the people uh, on the council with me were Republicans or Democrats. Uh, I think that's a matter of personal preference, and, and again, uh, I believe we have a great system in America, and, and whether you're Republican or Democrat, hopefully you don't feel disenfranchised necessarily, but you're able to, to, to have your, your input heard. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to basically try to, to, to speak for, for the Democratic Party, but I know the Republican Party, and I know it well, and I'm proud to be a Republican. Let me just finish out the, this uh, question, uh, his question number three. Um, how will legislators counter, and he's talking about citizen engagement, how will they counter limitations placed on the initiative process which diminish the possibility of direct uh, democratic participation in government? You know, we, we live in a republic, and, and the reason we live in a republic is just because of, uh, uh, well, and, and during this, this legislative session, there'll be issues that come up, and, and I've got great friends and constituents that, uh, I, quite honestly, they, it, it takes a lot of time and commitment to follow the issues. And through a representative government, you get those issues vetted, and you get them vetted by people who represent you. And uh, if we want to move back to a democracy where, where we do everything by initiative, that, that would be another process that we had to look at. But right now, I believe the republic is the best way, and that's the way our, 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 our government is set up, and I believe it actually is the best way. So I'm not opposed to initiative. I just don't believe at times that we ought to have sound bites on TVs besetting the policy, that we ought to have thoughtful and meaningful debate. We ought to dive deep down into the issues. You ought to elect people you trust and then let them spend a ton of time, a lot of effort, and vet the issues among themselves. I believe a, a representative government is the best form of government. And not the initiatives are bad, because I, I do believe in the will of the people, but I believe the people speak when they elect individuals. Let me do, just uh, get this last part of this question from John. How will they counter, talking about legislators, restrictions on candidates able to run as highlighted by the count my vote compromise? I don't know there's any restriction on anybody to be able to, to run. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, the count my vote compromise, uh, that's, uh, that again was a legislative process and a, a part of an initiative process. I believe the process combined works, so I'm not sure if there's, not sure there's any restriction on anybody to mm -hmm. run. Let me uh, just ask you, um, um, and we'll, uh, John, we'll get back to your uh, parts one and two uh, later on in the program. Thanks for your email, and we have a, another couple of emails to come in. We'd love to get your questions for our legislators, and we have them all throughout this hour. Upraxcess at gmail.com. Upraxcess at gmail.com is the place to do that. just want to get from you, uh, Senator Adams, what are, say, the top three issues on your mind going into this session? Uh, the top one every session will always be education. Uh, education is probably the number one responsibility we have as a, as a state to, to educate uh, uh, our, our children and, and adults. Uh, the, the other would be infrastructure, but I actually can lump education in infrastructure. I believe it's the most significant form of infrastructure, uh, uh, trying to make sure that uh, we have that, that uh, individual knowledge and, and the motivation to be able to use that knowledge. Uh, we have lots of needs for, for roads and water and, and all different types of infrastructure. That, that's, those are big issues. So uh, 
Uh, and then uh, there'll be a lot of other issues that come up, but uh, my top two would be education and infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Do you support the governor's budget? He's, he's increasing spending, I think, 4% per weighted uh, pupil unit. Uh, the governor's done a good job with his budget. Uh, there's things that probably need to be looked at, and I'm sure we'll change some and we'll accept some. And again, as we go through the process, uh, that'll be vetted. It'll be vetted uh, through committee hearings. Uh, one thing the governor does when he sets his budget, he does it uh, as, a, as an individual and actually does it with the staff, and they, they do a good job. But we'll actually go through the budget process and we'll allow exactly what John was talking about, citizen involvement. We'll have committee hearings, and people can come down and, and testify at those committee hearings. We'll have opportunities for people to send an email. The governor's budget's out there. I'm sure there'll be things that some people like about it, some people don't like about it. And I believe the, the legislature has a responsibility to set the, the budget. That's, that's basically our constitutional, not only a right, but our obligation and responsibility to, to, to set that budget. And the governor's done a, a good job, but uh, I'm, there'll be changes. Uh, of course, you're familiar, I'm sure, with our schools now, the uh, initiative petition. Uh, they want to raise uh, or increase spending for education $750 million. They want uh, income tax increase for that. And any, any tax increases likely out of the session? You know, we funded uh, additional funding for education over the last five years, about a billion and a half additional dollars. Uh, as I mentioned previously, education funding is probably the number one issue we have up here and we'll, we will deal with. Uh, I'm sure we'll look at it. Uh, I personally believe that the raising the income tax uh, be, be, is the, basically the, probably the wrong tax to look at. It's a tax on productivity. It, it actually does not help our economy. There's probably other ways to, to, to look at trying to deal with this situation. One of the best ways in my mind is we've seen strong economic growth. We need to look at those numbers and see what that, uh, that economic growth, the revenues it's producing. We've also seen uh, opportunities as people are buying online. We know that uh, a lot of the, the sales tax that we used to collect from brick and mortar retailers has now been going to online retailers that don't pay sales tax. And we need to relook at those those issues and just see, uh, on a holistic approach, uh, where the best spot to, to try to, to find revenue is, and then we'll do what we do best. I think up here is a, is decide how to spend it. We are at the state legislature, the uh, the state capitol, on the opening day of the 2017 Utah Legislature. It's a live two-hour broadcast, and we're glad you're with us. We are posing your questions, by and large, to our state legislators. And uh, you can get your question to us, and therefore to our legislators, by our email, upraxis at gmail.com. Upraxis at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter, at upraxis. And we have with us Senator Stuart Adams. Um, who is uh, from Layton, represents a district in uh, northern Utah. Uh, this is an uh, email that's coming from Josh. He says, my question involves transparency. In the past few years, several important bills have been killed in closed Republican caucus. Will this continue in the future? You know, I'm not aware of anything being killed in a closed Republican caucus. Uh, there may have been uh, 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 things that uh, maybe perhaps have been perceived that way, but... Uh, our, our caucus is uh, a, a great opportunity for us to be able to speak frankly with one another. But everything we do is, every action we take is, is open and transparent and done in, in, the, in basically public view. We don't take any significant type of votes there. We have great discussions and, and it's part of a great process. Mm. 
Many, many people are concerned about our closed Republican caucus, but they, they fail to realize, and I just spent some time back east in Pennsylvania and Philadelphia, and uh, love the, the opportunity we, we had. If you remember at the beginning of our, our, uh, our country, we had an Articles of Confederation, and they were trying to figure out a way to deal with, uh, you know, how to, to move. And I don't think there was any intent to actually form a, uh, or, or to come out of that, uh, that setting with the Constitution. But they had a group of people come together. George Washington led the group. And, uh, and they actually had guards at the door that, uh, that, that people couldn't come and enter. And, and as they had discussion and eventually came out with our Constitution, uh, that was actually a very closed uh, door meeting. And sometimes things need to be talked about that are that are, that are significant. And without that type of closed door pro process, in fact, I think one of the people taking notes actually dropped their notes on the floor, and George Washington found out, found them the next day. And I don't think anybody knows whose notes they are. And the reason is because nobody claimed them because nobody wanted the the thought that they would have they would have uh, breached that. Uh, that confidentiality that was going on there, but the Constitution came out of that process, and we do everything in the public, and as that Constitution came out, it was vetted very, very deliberately, and in all the states almost didn't pass. Went through a very refining process, came out with 10 Bill of Rights that were connected to it, and, and that's not a bad process, but you have to have time to talk and think, and there's nothing killed in our closed-door caucus. It, it's a great time, time to talk, but everything we do is similar to the Constitution. It comes out, gets vetted, and uh, the public has a chance to, 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 to weigh in on it. Let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, I'm not sure how much longer you can stay with us, uh, yeah, Senator. A couple of minutes here, if minutes. I can. Good. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's uh, then uh, one follow-up question, and then we'll go to break. Um, uh, so, Senator, I'm, I'm curious, um, discussions you've had with fellow senators or, or representatives um, about public lands. Uh, of course, a hot topic lately. Uh, President Obama, on his way out of office, uh, created the Bears Ears National Monument. There has been some talk, I don't know if you've heard this talk, uh, of, of any response from the legislature. Yes, I, I, there will be a response. Again, this is a, uh, an issue that was created by, or an, a monument that was created by President Obama. It's a federal issue. I'm actually optimistic about President uh, Trump. Uh, my hope is that uh, it was created by a stroke of a pen without any public input and no transparency, no very, very little uh, input from anybody in Utah. And I hope uh, President Trump actually uh, 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 dismantles it the same way with a stroke of a pen. I believe he has the power to do that. And I hope as, as he uh, has a time within his presidency to evaluate this and, and look at this situation that, that basically uh, he undoes what President Obama did. Uh, our, our rural part of our state is struggling economically. We have the best economy in the nation arguably here, lowest unemployment rate, fastest growing state in the nation, but rural Utah is not that way. They have a very high unemployment rate and that's because a lot of the ground, the potential for economic development does not exist there. And for a, for a president of the United States to come in and just uh, take off the table millions of acres without any, what I believe, due process, I believe is not, is not the right thing to do. Is not, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't vote for transparency. I believe it was wrong, and I believe uh, President Trump ought to correct it. Uh, and I, I think you have to get going here. Um, one more question. Um, I'm curious, um, a, a new president, of course, uh, will set up so probably a lot of 
agreement with legislators in Utah. One area where I, where I can see perhaps there might be some disagreement is on immigration. If you look at the uh, principles in the Utah Compact, they don't jibe with some of the things President Trump was saying on the campaign trail. I wonder if you characterize it the same way or, or you, you think that Utah will be able to work with President Trump's goals on this issue? You, you know, I think we'll be able to work with President Trump. Uh, one thing that I'm very encouraged at is, is who he's chosen. Uh, remember last week, uh, the day of the inauguration that evening, uh, the, Senate, the Senate met and confirmed, I believe, both his Secretary of Defense and Homeland Security Secretary. And uh, so the President signed the act that actually put them into office. and. I looked at the picture, at least the, the, the picture I saw in the newspaper, and the chief of staff in the White House was in the background. President Trump was signing the bill, and you know who was passing him the, the documents to sign? A fellow by the name of Rob Porter. Now, Rob was uh, Senator Hatch's chief of staff. He's a great individual. And to have him be secretary of the White House, to be able to have every document, every, every act that's done in the White House, vetted uh, and, and, uh, and have him look at it and be part of that process, we'll have great opportunities for discussion. There may be some disagreements we have with the, the president. I'm sure they may come, and, but the opportunity we have to vet those, I think, has never been vet, better. We, I think we'll end up with a great relationship with President Trump. I hope to get him back out here, get him here to Utah and to be able to get his son here too. You know, he attended last legislative session, Don Jr., got to know him very well. He's got five, five children, a, a great wife, and I believe I told him when he was here that with five kids he quali qualifies to be a resident of Utah. So hope he comes <laughs> back. He can be an honorary resident. There you go. Uh, Senator Stewart uh, Adams has joined us. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate being with and, you. And uh, good luck with the session upcoming. Uh, the session does begin in uh, about 20 minutes from now, a little, a little under half an hour from now. And uh, this program continues until 11 o'clock. Uh, all through that uh, time, your opportunity to send in your questions, your comments, and we will be posing these to legislators at least this hour. And uh, that... Uh, uh, email is upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. You can also uh, get to us through Twitter at upraxcess. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back here from the Utah State Capitol, opening day of the 2017 Utah Legislature on Access Utah. Utah State University faculty members Deborah Spielmaker, John Morey, and Terry Mesmer are among the 2017 recipients of the Governor's Medal for Excellence in Science and Technology. This honor is awarded annually to selected residents and companies that have provided distinguished service or made significant contributions to Utah's advanced scientific and technological knowledge, education, and industry. Utah Public Radio congratulates our three awarded faculty members. Coming up, the poetry and the drama of a piano concerto by Brahms. Yefim Bronfman at the piano, Gustavo Dudamel conducting the Los Angeles Philharmonic in concert on the next Performance Today from APM. Join us Monday night at 9 on Utah Public Radio. Katie Swain here, and I have some good news. Utah Public Radio's annual Art Mug Contest is back, and we're accepting submissions from all of you until Valentine's Day. As you well know, the airwaves of UPR are a place you can go for extensive news coverage, thoughtful discussions, riveting entertainment, and even your local weather. And when you tune into UPR, you know you aren't alone. 
When you hit that button or turn that dial to us, you join in with tens of thousands of other people, all listening for those same sounds, and we're proud to be a home for your listening ears. UPR is a home to so many people, so this year we want to see how UPR is home to you. Send us your artistic depictions of where you listen, how you listen, or even how listening makes you feel. The top winner will be featured on our 2017 mug, and the next top 11 will be featured on our 2018 calendar. If you're looking for more details or where to submit, just go to upr.org. And thanks for listening to Utah Public Radio. A winter weather snowstorm has forced administrators at Utah State University to close the Logan campus. Cash and Logan schools are closed today because of snow accumulations. And until further notice, Logan Canyon is closed because of avalanche danger. Toby Weed of the Utah Avalanche Center tells UPR that all backcountry mountain recreation areas are dangerous. Avalanche danger is a concern in Provo Canyon and Wyoming. I-80 is closed at Evanston due to winter weather. In Iron County, State Route 143 is closed from milepost 17 to 28 past Brinehead to Mammoth Creek due to weather. Stay tuned for more information coming up, and we will return to legislative coverage in just a moment. Support for legislative programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our listeners and AARP Utah, a nonpartisan social change organization with a membership helping people 50 and over improve their lives by providing information, events, and advocacy on key issues. More information is available at aarp.org. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams, and we are uh, bringing you a live two-hour broadcast today from the uh, Utah State Legislature. It's We're at the uh, state capitol, and it's the opening day of the 2017 uh, Utah Legislature. And uh, we bring uh, in uh, a couple of Democrats now. We have uh, with us uh, Representative Brian King, who's the minority leader in the uh, House. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. And we have with us uh, Senator uh, Gene Davis. Uh, who is a uh, minority leader in the Senate. Thanks for coming in. Good morning. Thank you for the invite. Appreciate it. And uh, soon we'll be talking with Senator Wayne Niederhauser, president of the, uh, of the Senate. Um, let, me, uh, let me just get a uh, gentleman from you, Representative King, first. Uh, what are the, say, the top three issues on your mind going into this session? Well, one of the things I think we'll be dealing with quite a bit is uh, education. Education is critical. Public education is something that Democrats for years have been saying we need to make a greater investment in. We need to do a better job of ensuring that our kids get the resources that they need. They're our greatest asset. They're something that we should be putting more resources into in terms of uh, ensuring that they uh, have the quality of life in the future that they want for themselves and they need to, you know, there's some very practical reasons to uh, put more time and effort into educating them too in the sense that they need to compete with other kids from other states and other countries across the world. And Utah is, uh, has been in the uh, 51st position out of uh, including the District of Columbia in terms of per pupil funding for many, many years. Keep talking about changing that. Money isn't everything. But it's not nothing either. And so uh, we're hopeful that with the prodding of our schools now, we're going to see some greater uh, commitment on the part of the legislature to uh, have more resources, more funding for these K through 12 particularly. Mm. Just to follow up and ask each of you this, um, do, do you, uh, what do you think about the our schools now? 
Well, I think it's a good prod. I think it's, you know, the legislature is the entity that um, holds uh, to itself the ability to come up with a budget and make decisions about uh, what budgets we send on to the governor for his signature as a matter of law. Those are good. That's an important power. It's the only constitutionally required thing that we must do each session as we uh, convene in January. And we're serious about that, and we want to retain that power. But when you have... Uh, the people of the state of Utah, through folks at our schools now coming in to us and saying, you know, you're not doing what we what we need you to do and what we want you to do. And if you don't make a movement in a direction of making a greater investment in our kids, we're going to take it to the people in 2018 and put it on the ballot. I think that's helpful in terms of moving us in the direction that we as Democrats have for many, many years said we need to move. Mm-hmm. Senator Gene Davis, uh, same question to you. It's the top top couple of issues? I think the top couple of issues, of course, is education, I think, is going to take an awful lot of our discussion in the uh, upcoming session. I think the other issue is health care and health care reform. I know uh, the president uh, has has made the comment that he's going to repeal it all and replace it all uh, of the Affordable Care Act, but we need to seriously look at our full Medicaid expansion. That's still going to be on the table. I don't think that's going to be walked away from uh, or can be walked away from from, by the feds. Uh, If we want to do justice reform, if we want to address the issue of homelessness and other issues, we have to address health care as well. Mm. The other is uh, jobs. We have a a great workforce in the state of Utah, but we have to make sure that we have living, sustainable wages uh, paid to all working people in the state of Utah. And I'm I'm wondering if we can uh, bring Senator Niederhauser in here by swinging the microphone over. This is Senator Oakland. Oakland. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He should be president. I, <laughs> I should have recognized you. Yes, I'm, I'm sorry about that. So, Senator Okerlund, and I appreciate you uh, trading places there. Uh, so, uh, top issues, same question to you, top issues going in. Um, the ones that we've been talking about certainly are, are big issues, but I think uh, for the past couple of years and for the next decade, one of our biggest issues is going to be infrastructure. We have this uh, very uh, robust growing economy that are bringing people to the state of Utah and our own children who are coming to the state of Utah. Our population is going to about double over the next 30 years uh, with with the rate of growth that we are experiencing right now. And most of that will be natural growth, our own children. So we've got to prepare for that. We've got to have, uh, how are we going to handle all of those people on our highways? How are we going to be able to provide water for them? Uh, how are we going to make sure that we have uh, gas and, uh, and all the things that these people are going to need? So those are going to be big issues as well. Uh, these, those are going to be things that we're going to be dealing with. We've got to look forward. And uh, when we look forward 10, 20, 30 years, we know we're going to have this tremendous growth. And so we need to prepare our infrastructure for that. Okay. Again, I apologize. I, I, I know you, so I, yeah. I should have. I should have. You don't look anything like Senator Niederhauser. Um, let me pose this to you. It's directed to Senator Niederhauser, but uh, um, let me. It's it's fairly lengthy, but I'll read this. This is from uh, Eric. He says, "I understand you'll be talking about education funding today." He says, "I'm strongly in favor of increased funding for education, as long as there are clear goals for use of money, and as long as the determination of how to use the money is pushed as low as possible. I believe that this funding should be permanent funding." 
In response to a proposed citizen's initiative, Senator Niederhauser has stated that he has 12 better methods of funding education, quote unquote. However, he hasn't told us what these 12 methods are. Please let us know these methods. Don't just say you have them and not tell us what they are. And he goes on to, referring to Senator Niederhauser, he's compared the income tax rates of Utah with neighboring states and mentioned that we can't raise our income tax rates or we won't be competitive. Um, so should we also compare teacher salaries in Utah versus the uh, same surrounding states? You will find that we lag in those same states that teachers pay. We aren't competitive with them teachers pay. In order to get and retain the best teachers, we must raise our teachers' salaries. We're not competitive. So uh, that was direct Eric, to Senator Niederhauser, but uh, hopefully you can step in for him. Uh, Eric made some great points there and, and raises some good questions. Uh, education funding, is, as we know, the initiative that's out there would increase the income tax. And the effective rate of that increase would be nearly 25%. So when you figure uh, that amount of money on each individual taxpayer who's going to be paying income tax is going to be that much of an increase, uh, it, it is going to raise uh, our income taxes to the point where we may not be competitive with the surrounding states. Uh, and so that's a difficult uh, ask for us is, is to increase income tax. Now, maybe if the initiative passes, uh, and we'll get that on the ballot. Maybe we end up doing that, but there are other ways that we can fund education. For the past five years, in the past five years, we have put $1.5 billion into public education with uh, the funding that we've put into growth and WPU. And uh, so we have increased funding for education, $1.5 billion over the past five years. I think we will continue to. We are looking at uh, our options, and there are a number, as President Niederhauser as mentioned, uh, there are we can do sales tax. Uh, uh, there, uh, that may be a, a more likely source of being able to raise income. We can look at exemptions. Uh, we looked. Uh, Senator Jones looked at that a couple of years ago. Maybe the time has come for that. That might have been a little bit before its time when Senator Jones was looking at uh, uh, changing the exemptions, so that there are more more funds for education. There are just a number of things that we could look at and have been looking at for. Uh, the past couple of years to fund education, and, and it is our, our big, most important issue. There's no doubt about that. Mm. We have to make sure that we have <clears throat> a well-educated, well-trained workforce uh, so that we uh, can fill all these jobs that we're going to have. We know uh, we're going to have this economy, economic growth in Utah, and we need to have these children trained and, and well-educated to be able to fill them. I'd like to perspective from Senator Davis and Representative King as well. Senator Davis, what do you think on education funding? Thank you. I, I believe we need to increase the funding into education. One of the things that concerns me the most, we adopted a flat tax a number of years ago at 5%. That effective rate because of the deductions and, and credits that we allow people on their uh, uh, income tax to take is actually a 38 so we're 1.2% below what the projections for income tax was under a flat tax. And that was sold on the idea that we'd all be paying exactly the same uh, percentage. Uh, that has not taken place. Do we need to raise uh, taxes? I think it's one of those issues that we need to look at very seriously. Mm -hmm. uh, if we could get everybody onto the flat tax at 5% using uh, uh, Senator Jones's previous idea of, of doing away with some of those and really getting to a flat tax in the state of Utah, that would give us more than what the proposed tax increase is. We're not yet at, at where, or we're just barely where we started in 2008 during the Great Recession. 
we have not returned. There may be billions of dollars more that we're spending in education, but we're still not quite ahead of ourselves from the, from the downturn in the economy in 2008. Representative King, what, uh, what do you think about uh, public education tax increase necessary? What's the mechanism? Well, the only thing I would say is, you know, we, we have taken action twice in the last 20 years that has really decreased revenue for public education. One was in 1996 when we changed the uh, state constitution to state that all state income tax, uh, used to say that all state income tax was dedicated for K through 12 public education. In 1996, we changed that to include uh, higher education into that pot. So that diluted the amount of money, income tax money that was available for K through 12. That resulted in a significant loss of funding for public education. And then in 2008, as Senator Davis is referring to, when we went to the single rate tax uh, system, that was uh, another tax decrease, a tax cut in the form of income tax. Every dollar that we collect in income tax is constitutionally required to go to public and higher education. So when you reduce income taxes in 2008, as we did, you cut public education funding again. So that's, those are the things that we're sort of trying to dig out of. And the Utah Foundation has said, you know, between those two things, we are losing now over a billion dollars a year that we used to collect for, for public education. So that adds to this need to increase revenue. And there are different ways of doing it. I myself would prefer to see a progressive tax increase. I'd prefer to see those who are in the best position to make these contributions, who have done the best in the last few years in our Utah economy that's done very well. I'd prefer them to be the ones to bear the burden of stepping up to the plate and helping fund at greater levels public education. That's a little different than our schools now. Our schools now wants just an increase across the board. That concerns me a little bit in terms of how it affects working families. But even though that's true, I think that we're in such desperate need of new revenue that I would support in our schools now increase across the board if that's what it came to. I think we can do 